Sandberg once said, it is the ultimate luxury to combine passion and contribution. It is also a very clear path to happiness. Hello everyone and welcome to Nerdy Optometrist, a podcast channel for all things optometry. And this is your host, Ukti Vora. The quote I just said, I am going to interview a person who is exactly on the same path where she's been able to enjoy this luxury of combining her passion and contributing towards the next generation eye care. I am really excited to have Dr. Brianna Rue as our guest for today's episode. She's earned her undergraduate degree from the University of Arizona and her doctorate of optometry from NOAA Southeastern University. She completed her residency at the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute in Miami and is a partner at West Broward Eye Care in South Florida. Dr. Ru is passionate about healthcare technology, myopia management, specialty contact lens fits, and practice management. She enjoys sharing her love for technology and myopia management through speaking engagements to help optometrists understand business, technology, and new areas of care to help all parties involved. Her, Dr. Ru is the immediate past president of the Broward County Optometric Association and was awarded by the Florida Optometric Association, the local society member of the year in 2019. She's the co-founder of Dr. Contact Lens. I'm sure many of us have now started just recognizing her by that name. Uh, she is also known for her initiative as Techify and Myopia Patrol. Outside the office, she enjoys spending time with her husband, son, playing tennis, and standing on her head in yoga. Well, you really have to show us how you do that, Dr. Ruth. <laughs> and of course, traveling. So with all this thing, it is so excited to learn more about your journey. And a very warm welcome to the podcast, Dr. Ruth. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. So as, we, uh, as I want to start in all my episodes, I am really interested to know how did you bump into this career of optometry? Was it something you always aimed for or was it really a bump in something you know you were trying to find and you, you just found optometry as your career? Yes, so optometry actually has been a part of my life for a very long time. Um, in second grade, we were on a trip to South Dakota to see my great grandmother. We were driving in the car and my mom said, hey, look at the, you know, I said, mom, look at those sheep over there. And she's like, um, those are cows. So we have a problem here where we need to get this checked. So it's either her eyes or there's something else underlying here. So my dad actually had two friends that were optometrists who've been mentors for a very, very long time. Um, I got contact. So my first pair of glasses, I was nearsighted in second grade with the big nerdy, like pink glasses, obviously in the eighties, right? Not cute. Um, and I was a gymnast and a cheerleader and a dancer. And so my glasses were always broken in third grade. My mom said, asked the doctor if he could fit me in contact lenses. And he's like, well, I don't really fit that young, but you know, my mom was adamant about it. Um, so I got fit with contact lenses in a very, very young age, um, which has kind of now gone into this passion with myopia management in fitting kids in contact lenses. And then just worked my way up from front desk to technician, to scribe, to going to school, to then becoming a practice owner. Um, so it's been kind of part of me for a very long time. And then seeing what those mentors had done behind the business side of optometry, that's where I was really drawn to. So the patient care obviously is really fun and exciting, but even the business side um, is really where I enjoy a lot of time. Wonderful. I really like, you know, how you work, I would say kind of 
a very initial uh, you know the early adopters of contact lenses so i think that that's really fantastic to learn about that so talking about uh, the journey and optometry being part of your process you have taken very different path since you've graduated so tell us more about your journey after graduating so in school, they always talk about finding your niche, find your niche, find your niche. I can't believe how many times we hear that in school. And it just always stuck with me. And I taught myself scleral lenses in like 2010 because we weren't taught that yet in school. Um, I joined a very proliferative contact lens practice um, where Dr. Garmizo was really on top of everything with technology as far as fitting and advancements. And then 2015, you just, you know, the burn and turn can get really, really ugly. Um, 2015, I was just like, there's got to be something else out there. Um, my girlfriend, Jennifer Tabiza, and I, we just, we bought practices around that same time in 2015, just kind of had these conversations about where the environment was going. She's in LA, I'm in South Florida, um, and I was actually pregnant with my son at the time. And she called me and she said, hey, Brie, do you want to develop an app where our patients can order their contacts from us? Because everything else on the market just wasn't working. And we knew that we were wasting and leaking so much money, but also not taking care of the patients like we should. And so, yeah, let's build this app. We'll have it done in like three months, right? Well, three years later and a lot of bumps in the road. Um, we still developing it. <laughs> big, big bumps. Um, launched Dr. Contact Lens into beta testing. And along that time, I also, after I had my son being a high myope myself, um, another mentor of mine, Scott Pearl, said, Brian, you got to check out Vision by Design. Went to this conference, drank the myopia Kool-Aid, came back on that Monday, built a program, and it's absolutely changed my life as far as the clinic is concerned, and really building the patients you want to see. I think we're all kind of stuck in this rut of like these vision care plans, and that's what gets us in to see the patients, but really, really showing your patients the type of patients that you want to see and building that clinic around you. So I don't think enough of us really take it to that level um, which has us, you know, looking elsewhere for other things. I think that's, that's very interesting how you said, you know, you choosing the patients versus the vision plan, deciding what you need to see. Do you have any more tips and tricks on that space? Because I'm just, I'm just intrigued by that one statement that you just made. I feel it's a very difficult path or a code to crack. Yeah. So, I mean, the vision plans obviously lead a lot of patients to us, right? Absolutely. So, we look at patients as patients. Everyone else under the universe is looking at our patients as healthcare consumers. So it's important that we understand that shift. Yes, they're patients, but they also are consumers and we have to you know, meet them where they want to be met. And right. I think that's where some of us aren't doing that. So yes, the vision care plans, they get us a lot of patients, but then that's where we find our dry eye patients. That's where we find our myopia control patients. That's where we find our aesthetic patients or the, you know, diabetics that we're managing. And so it's important that we show them what we can do and then right. asking those and digging into those questions and bringing them back for further testing and further evaluations. So we can, again, build that clinic you want to. And yeah, find your niche, right? We always hear that like a hundred times. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. And if you haven't found your niche yet, it's okay. Like I feel like it's this bad thing if you haven't found your niche. Um, it took me a long time. And I think that's really, it's kind of discouraging if you haven't found it yet. Um, people give up searching. 
So it's yeah. important that you continue looking just like you found your niche here. Um, so. And we're still and we're still finding right. What more can we explore? I so I feel it's more of an ongoing process versus oh this is it and you know I've found the ultimate niche and I know what I'm doing. Well, yeah, I know what I'm doing, but can I do better? I think that's 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 what we're looking at. That's exactly. wonderful. I think you know how you're looking. I really I really want to highlight once again what you mentioned was patients are uh, for us are not vision care care. Uh, consumers they are they are not consumers they are patients where we decide i think that was a very very good insight to how you look at patients and how you look at conditions that you want to treat and focus on um so thank you so much for sharing that now when we talk about doctor conduct lens right as you mentioned there were many big roadblocks right it as amazing as it looks from outside i'm pretty sure it wasn't that uh, rosy inside so Tell us more about you know the journey, the roadblocks, uh, anything that you know you would like to share with my listeners. Yeah, so Jen and I we had no idea what we were getting into. We had we really didn't know that we were actually building a technology company, which is actually what we have built. Um, I for the longest time couldn't wrap my head around it. I thought we were just building a website until about two years <laughs> in, it finally clicked that we were building a platform. Um, Jen got that really really early on, um, and then having a partner was really what kept us going. And so we are a yin and yang together. What she's good at, I'm awful at. What I'm good at, she doesn't like to do. And so it's really cool to see these partnerships come together. I'm a huge believer in partnerships. Um, if we didn't have each other, there's no way we would have gotten to where we are, um, especially on those really deep, like dark days where you're like, oh my gosh, we're out of money. Like, where are we going to pay our developers or our programmers or this programmer didn't get it done? Um, so we burned through about three developers that just couldn't make it happen. Um, it was actually a patient of mine that came in to me, was a new patient. He was that 1-800 order, right? And I was <laughs> like, well, what do you do? And he's like, well, I'm a a developer. I have a development company. I was like, well, we actually need a developer. Can you come and see what we do? And um, he was able to Doug, get it off the ground with us. And so the funny story behind that was he came to my office and I was like, okay, let's develop, right? Let's like program. <laughs> and so I like grabbed out my like little pad and he's like, um, where's your whiteboard? And I was like, I'll be right back. I like ran up to office depot, got the whiteboard, came back. I've got to drill at my office at all times, plugged it right into the wall. And away we went with, um, took us about six months of whiteboarding. And then that's kind of when the development really, really started. And now we have obviously Dr. Contact Lens. So it was um, a really huge learning curve <laughs> for both of us. Um, and now it's just getting it out there. Wonderful. I have to say, being married to an engineer, whiteboard is a must for them. They cannot process anything without a whiteboard. And now I can't like live without my whiteboard. So I think, yes, if you're working with a developer slash engineer, whiteboard is a must. We actually had a fight about where the whiteboard will be in the house. He was adamant to put it in the bedroom so he can start writing. And I'm like, no ways. It's going in the patio, but it's not going to be in front of me. Yeah, it's there's something they're connected to their whiteboards for sure. 
Absolutely. I actually want to give a little more insight to the listeners because not all of them are from the United States about this whole idea of 1-800 contacts or what the online e-commerce contact lens business is. Because in US, it is 1-800 contacts. In other country, there are other giants, you know, who do pretty much the same thing. So yeah. tell me a little more in detail, like, you know, what, how is Dr. Contact Lens different? What 1-800 contact does? Just to give a little more reference to the conversation. Yeah, so we built Dr. Contact Lens for a couple of reasons. One was we wanted to be able to take care of our patients. Um, so we all had that patient that sits down in our chair before we even say hello. They want a copy of their prescription, which right. isn't good. So I employ 10 people. I have great equipment. You just told me that this was the best exam of your life, but yet you're going to walk with your prescription. And so with the FTC rule that was coming at us, we knew about this rule about six years ago, and we wanted to put this a positive spin on it, Right. Every time we print a paper copy of a prescription for a patient, we are literally printing them $300 to go spend outside of our practices. And so we wanted to give them a digital downloadable copy of our prescription that lives with them. It's really right. their data. They should have access. Patients shouldn't be scared to ask us for their information. It's their health and consumers and healthcare consumers and patients are getting smarter at that and they need the access, right? So we wanted to give it to them where they could download and print it, but now it's easy to order for them in our system. So the doctor will see the patient, they'll type in the contact lens prescription, all the demographic information will load, and then you can send the patient the link via email and text. They log in in one click, and then the contacts are on their way. So what happens when that patient leaves the office, again, I have the first crack, for lack of a better term, to sell that patient the product, right? Mm -hmm. So we know if I sold them a six-month supply when they're going to run out, but yet I'm not reminding them. So that's another thing that Dr. Contact Lens does is automate reminders. So I'm six months, six months from now, they get a text message or an email, log in in one click, order their contacts in one click where they can use their insurance benefits and their rebates. Because a lot of the times the patients think that we're lying to them, that we right. aren't cheaper. And that couldn't be further from the truth, right? And so the other thing that we do is we want patients to come back for their eye health exams. Mm -hmm. Contact lenses are a medical device. Right. And so it's important that, yes, we all have system reminders like we have solution reach demand force to remind patients to come back in for their eye health exams. We go a step further. So again, when that patient's prescription expires, they get an email and a text to make an appointment. If you are not doing live appointment scheduling, please make sure you are. Um, very important. Um, these appointment requests are very outdated, takes a lot of time, and you're losing on a lot of revenue that way. But we send them the appointment reminder where it says, hey, your prescription's expired. You can't order anymore. It's time for you to come back and see us. And so we're really driving those three portions to a practice. And I think it's important that doctors, I hear it on so many demos, where they think their annual supply rate is through the roof, like 80 or 90%. They think their capture rate is 80 or 90%. Guys, it's not true. So, and even if that is, you're still printing paper copies, which you're printing money for someone else outside right. of your office. The thing too about that is our contact lens patients are our most valuable patients. They're the ones that have dispendable income, they're disposable income. They're the ones that come back more frequently. They're the ones with families and 
their mother-in-law and whatever. So if we let that minus 335 year old go online to order, now they're maybe not going to come back for a long time. So now I've lost my dry eye clinic. I've lost my myopia clinic. I've lost my aesthetics clinic. I've lost all these other things. And now we wonder why we're not booked out. And so I think it's really important that people understand there's a lot of money in contact lenses. We're just not going after it. Um, And that's our bread and butter. So you've got to implement a system. Absolutely. And I think uh, there are a couple of things which I learned from what you just said, right, that it's important for us to realize that we need to give that option to the patient. We cannot just keep saying that these bigger companies or e-commerce companies are taking away business. We can't compete because I've done some of the research in the past and the top reasons why patients want to buy things online is convenience. That's the first thing. And the second would be like, you know, a time that they spend in throughout the entire process. And third would be the price point. So if you give them convenience and, you know, if you save their time, I'm pretty sure they'll be more uh, comfortable in spending that little extra towards you where they know the person, they have a face, they have someone to talk to if anything goes wrong versus calling a customer care or a help desk to, you know, fix their problem. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's not given even, uh, I would say, uh, the good importance to the fact that we are compete we're not competing with giants directly in terms of pricing but the value that we provide to the patient i think that is not given enough importance i would say yeah and i'll add to that i think you know all of us have these links on our websites for patients to order nobody's going to remember westbarwoodeyecare.com at 9:30 at night you guys like we have to drive this to their phones Um, And anyone can do this. So my father is the most technologically challenged human being on the planet, meaning he will type an email in the search bar and wonder why I never receive it kind of person. Um, He was our very first order. So I had handed him his phone. I text him the link. He logged in, ordered his contacts. His contacts got there in two days. And that's when I knew we had something. And that leads me to the doctors and also into um, Techify, which we'll get to. But it's important that we make business decisions and we actually look at the return on investment for things. Um, we're good at looking, you know, we'll go drop $45,000 on an OCT, but then we won't go and invest in a technology like Dr. Contact Lens. So it just blows my mind on how we're making business decisions. Right. Do you feel there's a lot of, there's still a hesitation in adopting technology? Because me coming from a telehealth, background as my core work, you know, you know, the optometrist is my passion. Uh, but I've seen there is there is so much technology out there. We are always dependent on our smartphones. Like that is what we do, I would say 80% of our time, right? Look at a smartphone, order something. And uh, but when it comes to we adopting technology as doctors, I don't know what happens. Is it the learning curve? Is it the fear of you know technology taking away our jobs? What is your take on that? I think it's a couple things. Um, one is obviously, I mean, the only, you know, the only constant in the universe is change. Absolutely. And we have to keep changing and growing. You've got to get your staff involved. So time and time again, I will hear doctors say, well, I just can't get my staff to do this. Well, your staff is wasting 10 minutes of time to place a single order, taking them 28 steps. Like 
with doctor contact lens, you get that down to two minutes. So yes, they need to learn something new. So a lot of people get pushed back from their staff. The other thing is the doctor's just not being willing. You got to go easy on the bugs. I mean, you know, Facebook goes down from time to time and we all survive. <laughs> it's never going to be perfect, but that's okay. We got to keep pushing forward. And the right. other thing is our electronic medical records. They're kind of holding us hostage a little bit. So we're not actually being proactive enough to tell them what we need to be successful right. in business. So we have to be in these conversations to tell them what we need and tell them what implementations we want and integrations that we want um, to move this forward. But really there's about 500 early adopters in optometry and the rest 40,000 are late adopters. We've got to move that curve um, because we will be left behind. Um, technology's here. You can't be scared of it. We all can learn a new iPhone in what, under two minutes. So it's the same thing. You just have to make a decision. I think people are scared to make the wrong decision a lot of the time because there's so much hoopla out there. Right. So really, really look at what that's going to bring you. Talk to right. your reps, give them the time. Um, you know, we'll go on these, we'll go to these trade shows, right? And now that I'm a salesperson, it's interesting to see what optometrists do. They literally like walk by booths like this. They're like, they don't make eye contact with you. And I was like, but you gave up four days of clinic time to be here. So be here, go through these exhibit halls, go talk to these reps, understand the ROI. You really are going to learn something and go there to buy. So time and time again, they'll go to these trade shows, they'll get 200 business cards, a couple of pens and a bag, right? <laughs> and to do what? Like, you got to make a decision right then and there, because you're not going to go back and do it. You're going to go back right into the dark room, saying one or two and not make a decision. And so I think it's important that we really, really start to use these trade shows for what they're there for. Right. They're there for you to work on your business not in your business and that's right. where we get stuck and i think it's uh, talking about rituals they are such a valuable asset where you have everything on that same floor plus i would go even one step further that okay you know you're not able to make decisions you're not able to decide you don't want to spend that money on technology but still go to every booth to just know what's happening and where you are you can come back you know, uh, order something later, but just knowing where the industry is going, staying updated is equally important, irrespective of whether you're buying something or not. It's just, it's just important to know what's happening. Exactly. <laughs> yes, you know, we don't get C credits or points for going to the trade show, but well, you get a lot more value there. <laughs> yeah. And that's how you're going to make your money. So I think it's important that people understand they don't get stuck in this rut of what they're making. I mean, there's no reason that all of us shouldn't be making a lot of money taking care of our patients, right? We, we can stop discounting. Like you're actually doing a disservice to your patient when you discount them because now you can't take care of your business and your people and your employees. And so it's really important that people understand that business cycle. Um, stop discounting. Absolutely, absolutely. Actually, talking about discounting, I was recently in a conversation with someone who mentioned that there were two practices. One kept on discounting, and the other one said, "This is my price. You can you can leave it or take it." And after like literally three trips, the patient decided to go with the person who didn't give any discount, just for the fact 
he felt i trust you more because you know what you're selling versus someone who's just keeping on discounting because I'm, i am asking for discounts right so i feel it's also important to understand what kind of patient are you looking for are you looking for someone who is very price sensitive and you can never make them happy because they might find something online maybe even like you know a couple of dollars uh, cheaper and would just walk away versus someone who sees the value of what all you're trying to provide them through that so that's i think that's what it comes to like you know defining your practice <laughs> exactly exactly now talking about techify i think that's a very very cool name to begin with and i want to learn a little more about that tell me you know how was it founded what's your journey what's what's its target yeah so jen and i this was another brainchild of us um about 8 weeks before expo we this we were having our first booth at vision expo for dr contact lens and we know again how optometrists go into these exhibit halls and they just mindlessly wander around and we wanted to um i'm in charge of business development so i'm constantly talking to other technology companies and realized really quickly that we're all in and up against the same things we're doing demos to the same doctors getting the same no trying to convince them that they need this and so and we're all kind of in that same stage of growth except for a couple of companies and we wanted to put them on a path through the expo hall on a technology track so hence the techify track was born and then we also put together a really high level lunch to really show and dive into each technology that was on the track um so you could really get a high level meeting high level value to really show through that patient life cycle from the time they make an appointment to the time that they go back to see you to the time that they check out to contact lens ordering to reminders to paying so really that whole journey through the patient so techify we wanted to band together for a couple of reasons one was we've got to show optometrists is the way that technology can be very very valuable especially right. as all of us are hurting for staff right now you can implement some of these technologies to cut down on some of that right? right the other thing that we're up against is the EMR companies so a lot of them won't let us in and so honestly guys we got to go to our EMR companies and let them know that we need access to these things they're the literally neural network of all of our practices everything stems from the EMR and so it's important that they don't hold us hostage as doctors right. and then obviously that mindless wandering through the exhibit hall we wanted people to go on a mission we wanted them to be in the right headspace to go and really value things and look at things and look at the ROI um and then the the last thing was just kind of it kind of became a support group honestly for all the technology <laughs> companies in the background of like oh my gosh how are we going to get these doctors to get out of their own way and really move forward there's really no reason that we all shouldn't be living our best lives Absolutely. investing in little things um to move it forward so that was really the goal of techify was to kind of join this force together put them on the journey and also give them a sense of like a kind of a buying group or an alliance where Jen and I have tested all this stuff you know so people want to know that it works right. um so that's kind of where we are the the nerdy people <laughs> that come in behind here and actually will try it out on our staff you know and grow with it um yeah. so it's important that you can get in on the ground floor and move oh, forward i i really love how you and jen had really thought about you know creating that 
group and you know in inviting people that this is technology this is i get like when you're coming in kekistan track you are coming with a mindset you're going to look at the latest technology you go, you might need to spend money if you decide to you know move forward with it so otherwise there have been two exhibits even before before techify was born and yes there are 10 uh technology companies but they are all independently trying to struggle and you know sell different products different services but this actually unifies them just you like you have a manufacturing section you have your contact lens section now you have a technology section i think that was a brilliant brainchild that you guys came up with and kudos to everyone who partnered and you guys you know who just led this entire group i think it was amazing yeah and it also comes down to implementation so i think when we go to these trade shows we kind of come back we don't know where to start and so that was part of the techify journey as well as saying Okay, so month 1 you're going to do a website, month 2 you're going to add your live chat button, month 3 you're going to add your order contact lens button, month 4 you're going to add in the online glasses, month 5 you're going to update marketing and visual signage and then so you can really put the doctor on a path that you don't have to do this all at once. Right. And so there's really an implementation coaching thing behind Techify as well because we know you're up against your staff. We know that you're up against change. um but it's important that you go in with a very very clear plan of how you're going to move forward because our to-do list get a million miles long and then we just never implement anything absolutely i think it's just one step at a time i think that should be that should be the mantra anyone who wants to go with the change and how technology is moving forward i, I think that's fantastic to bring everyone under one roof and giving a better guidance because if if i'm looking from say a practitioner standpoint right it could be overwhelming yes i want a marketing i need like a marketing team because social media is the next is the big thing not the next big thing like everybody looks on social media so i have to spend money there i want contact lens ordering because e-commerce is killing my business and giving me a competition everybody is telling me there is money but why am i not getting so i want doctor hata I want to do myopia but that again is another technology to invest in so it definitely can be so overwhelming you decide ha never mind i'm happy with what I'm and that's what happens they just we go back into our dark rooms and just are content you know doing what we are but there's so much I, more out there <laughs> it was like a great show i saw i met my friends like i did take my pens and bags and you know all those like <laughs> people is like scoop everything off I'm like are you going to talk to me or are you just for here for my pen really a pen pen pens are important thanks <laughs> well you get your purple doctor contact lens pen I'll send you <laughs> and especially when people have some very interesting they stand stand a little more just because they can ask and it is Oh my gosh. That's really yeah. funny to be on the other side. I will tell but you. But I have you have done that. I I I have to say that already. Of course. Yeah, what? I want that thing. I talked to you for like 2 minutes and can I just get Oh, yep. But so we got it. Yep. Awesome. So now uh, we did learn a lot about your journey, you know, your roadblocks, but we, now I think we'll go into more of a fun segment just to continue our laughter and to know a little bit more about yourself. and i would like us to play uh, the rapid fire section of my podcast very simple rules i ask you questions you have to answer as soon as you can okay, okay. So, are you all set i'm all set 
Oh, wonderful. Uh, first question, if you were not an optometrist, which other profession do you see yourself in? I would have gone into like business development, um, something along those lines. So well, you're already in that, you're already in that space. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, as you had mentioned, you love traveling, which uh, is your favorite destination? It's got to be a toss up between Hawaii and Portugal. So amazing places. Absolutely. I love Hawaii. I've been there in 2020 and I was there for two months. It was, it's the best place to be, for I sure. <laughs> Wonderful. What do you like to do during your downtime? So downtime, spending time with my family, spending time with my son. Um, we are expecting our next baby in December. Um, and just, you know, having fun and downtime, that's what it, we work so hard for, is to be with our family and provide for our family. Wonderful. Congratulations and looking forward to the new new member in the, uh, in the family. Your favorite cuisine? Oh, my favorite cuisine. Um, <laughs> Taco Bell. <laughs> so anyone who listening to this podcast, Taco Bell it is. <laughs> my friends are getting a kick out of that one. Wonderful. Your favorite book? My favorite book is a book called Traction by Gina Wickman. Um, changed my life, changed our business um, to kind of push us forward. So highly recommend that book. Wonderful. Uh, an interview, if you had to interview someone dead or alive, who would that be? If I could interview someone, I would actually like to interview um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, didn't really know all that she had done until I watched that movie. Right. Um, and I think it was very, she was very misunderstood on a super powerful woman that really did it all. Um, and I was really entertained by all that she was able to accomplish. Absolutely. And do you have any question in mind? I, people call, you know, people are always like, oh my God, you're like superwoman. And then I looked at, you know, what she was able to accomplish when she was able to, and the barriers that she's now allowed us to go break down and that we get to break down um, as women and working professionals and having a family and having a business. Um, it is hard to juggle all of it. Um, and you really need that strong support team. So um, just asking her, you know, I don't think she ever apologized for being a woman and a working woman and having a family. Um, and I think we do that to ourselves. I think we give right. ourselves a lot of guilt on the family front. Um, and the men in our lives need to realize um, <laughs> that we want to do that. Um, some of us do and some of us don't, and that's okay. But right. um, we need their help just as much as they need our help to keep getting to break down these barriers. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I, I, I love this. I love this question. I love this thought. I mean, I love how we support each other as women and we need to be guilt-free for sure. <laughs> yes, we don't have to apologize. <laughs> Wonderful. If you were to write an autobiography about your journey, what would you like the title to be? Oh my gosh. Um, it would just be... Just keep pushing, keep changing, keep growing. Wonderful. With that, uh, we end our rapid fire. I think you did wonderful in the rapid fire segment. 
And before we end this podcast, one final takeaway message for all the listeners. I always wake up in the morning um, with a quote in my head, you can wake up every day and build somebody else's dreams, or you can wake up every day and build your own. And I think it's important that you always ask yourself that question of why are you in this course? Why are you talking to this person? Why are you moving forward? You know, with Simon Sinek and start with why. I think that's what keeps you curious and keeps you growing and, and moving forward. So yeah, build your dreams. That's a wonderful takeaway. And I, I, that is something we've always got. It's not a new quote, but we tend to forget about it. And I think keeping that why in your life every morning is, I think, a wonderful takeaway message. Thank you once again, Dr. Ru, for all your insights, for doing what you're doing, for bringing everyone together, for empowering women, entrepreneurs, and practitioners. Really appreciate you and Jen, whatever you guys are doing. Thank you once again uh, for all your time and welcome to the Nuri family. <laughs> Thank you for having me.